Well, good morning, Hedgesville Church. It's good to be here. It's exciting uh, to be here. If you're a guest of ours here for the first time, I want to say welcome. Uh, this is a good place to be on a Sunday morning. It's actually a good place to be uh, all the time, but especially on a Sunday morning. Hey, there's a card in the seat right beside you that, uh, that says, Welcome Home. If you just pick up that card, write your name and email address on that card, and then take in the back after the service, there'll be a smiling face out there. Uh, waiting for you, and they're going to give you a free gift just for showing up. And so I encourage you to do that. And also, if you're new here or you've been coming here for a while, uh, there's another card on your seat that says, Sign Me Up. And there's five areas on that that you can sign up. Uh, They're very general in their description, but if you sign up, you just say, Man, I think I would like to work with kids. You can check that box Uh, Somebody will contact you, and then you can work out the details about uh, what what age group of kids that you can work with. It does not mean you're going to be changing diapers automatically. So uh, just remember that. So if there's an area in the church that you think you might want to serve in, uh, just check the box and and, uh, drop it off at the Connect Center at the end of the service. And also, if you choose to follow Christ today, which I highly recommend, start a new life with Him, Uh, There's a card on the seat beside you as well uh, that says, I have decided. And if you just write your name, and I think email address too on that, and take it back to the um, Connect Center after the service, Uh, we've got a book for you and a couple of things uh, that we'd like to give you. Uh, We just want to pray for you and support you in this journey, and it's the best decision you could ever make. And so I'm thankful you're here, and I pray that you would do that today. Amen? Amen. Well, I do want to update you. Uh, As you saw when you pulled up in the parking lot, now we've had two full weeks. Uh, The excavators have been out there, and they're doing a wonderful job. And I'm excited about all that God is doing, so I encourage you. I encourage you to keep giving and figure out how you can volunteer. Uh, There is a clipboard, I think, that is, if it hasn't already gone around, it will be going around right now, uh, areas that you can get involved And so mark off on your calendar the first week of October. That's when we're going to do an old-fashioned barn raising. And the the walls of the church are going to go up. So the first week of October, make sure you're marking that down your calendar. And through this whole process, there'll be a way uh, for all types of skill levels to be involved. So make sure you're paying attention to that. And uh, on that clipboard, just check something that you're good at. And there's even a place for making food. Because that's important. So make sure that you check that box. Um, So I'm so thankful for everybody that's been involved already. And I'm looking forward to how God will use you through the rest of this process. So, Amen. Are you excited about that? All right. So we're going to get into the scripture. We're finishing up our last last session, our last sermon in the series assessment season. And I pray that you've been using the last couple weeks to, uh, to take an account of your life. And we've been looking at Galatians chapter 5 and uh, the acts of the flesh and the fruits of the spirit and comparing ourselves and what that looks like. And so we're going to dig into that some more this morning. So if you stand with me, we're going to read Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 again. We're going to talk about killing things today. Galatians chapter 5, we'll start in verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh. Now this is, these are, this is the beginning of the two lists. The acts of the flesh are obvious, Paul says. And we said a couple weeks ago that I don't think they are anymore. But here's what he says. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying one another. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we pray That as we look into it, God, we'd open up our hearts. We'd open up, Lord, our minds and let you renew them by your word. We pray, God, that you do the transformation in our lives today. We pray, Lord, that this word that we look into would change us and make us new today. Thank you for it. And we honor you because of it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and everyone said, Amen. amen and amen. Are you maybe seated? We're going to talk today about something Paul says at the end of this portion of Scripture. He says that, that those who are with Christ have crucified the flesh. Now, he uses this language in other places, but he uses it a little bit different here. In other places, it's like a past tense, have crucified. And, but this, the way he uses the word here is just a little bit different. It, he's using it in the context of continually. That you are crucifying the flesh. That, that, it's, that it's something that we continually do over and over and over. And I want to talk about that this morning. Uh, it's important to know how to kill things. <laughs> Crucifixion is not something that we're used to in American culture. But back in Jesus' culture and Paul's culture, obviously it was something more on the forefront. And they knew the brutality of it. And they knew... Uh, the whole uh, scheme of it. They knew how it happened and what happened to people when they were crucified. And so Paul is using this terminology on purpose. He's not saying um, choke it to death. He's not saying beat it to death. He's saying just like Christ was crucified for your sin and my sin, he's saying that you should crucify your flesh the same way. And, And he says this all through his writings. He says in Romans, he says it to the churches, he says that we should be crucifying the flesh. And so we read in Galatians 5 what the acts of the flesh are. And we compare that to what the fruit of the Spirit is. But in today's culture, I think it's difficult sometimes in our modern culture to know what the right thing to kill is. Because we value things differently. And so the acts of the flesh, Paul said, seem obvious to him And maybe to the Galatians, but in today's society, in 2018, 
In Berkeley County, West Virginia, I'm not sure they're as obvious as they used to be. So it's important to know what we are supposed to kill. It's important to know what we're supposed to kill. Because I think sometimes we're killing the wrong thing. Because in our culture, the wrong thing is appreciated most of the time. So we oftentimes value what our culture appreciates. We oftentimes value certain looks because our culture appreciates certain looks. Hey, I I think I've read about a day when being plump was in. I think that's cool. I don't know. I don't care how hard I try. My body was not created to be skinny. And so, but when culture values something different, we tend to want to adapt to culture instead of what the spirit is supposed to produce. So watch this. Here's what happens. Paul says that we're supposed to crucify the flesh. He says those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Well, the question is, do we know what we're supposed to produce? What are we actually supposed to be producing? Because I bet what we get rewarded for at work may be different than what, than what God wants us to produce. Now think about this. Think about it for a second. The list that Paul says here is not typical of what we see in modern success, is it? The list of what he says the Spirit will produce in our lives, it's not something that you will get a raise at work for. Think about it. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't know about you, but most of the time going into work, just being kind to everybody. Hey, listen, you've been kind. I'm giving you a $2 raise. You're just the kindest person at work. It's amazing. You're like, boss, I'm just trying to do the fruit of the Spirit. Just trying to be a good producer, man. No, what you find out is when your boss comes to you and asks if you met the goals for the company, did you meet the goals or not? Well, I'm having difficulty meeting the goals because I've got to be kind. Listen, bro, I don't care about kindness. You've got to meet the goals, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. That's not necessarily what he's talking about. You can, meet your, you can actually meet your goals at work and not produce any fruit of the Spirit. Did you realize that? You can be promoted in the corporate world, stepping on everybody under you. We can be promoted in our jobs and not be kind to anyone because we're just, we're just making sure the flow chart happens. We're just making sure everything happens. And how many times do we go to work and we deal with people over and over and over and you're like, man, if the fruit of the Spirit ever hit them, that would be a beautiful day at work. But people get promoted and they don't produce anything. So here's what happens. We start analyzing our lives according to how we can get promoted instead of what we're producing. So actually... If kindness doesn't get us a promotion, we'll kill kindness. If, if, if being, if being good doesn't get us a promotion, we'll kill being good. If, if forbearance doesn't get us a promotion, if tolerating people and being kind to people doesn't get us a promotion, your, your boss may came to, come to you and say, man, you can't be so nice to everybody. You got to step it up. You got to hammer people. You got to get it done. I don't care what they're going through. You got to make them do it. Yeah, but I'm trying to be nice. Fruit of the Spirit is kindness. And I want to produce what God wants to be produced. That ain't what we're making here, bro. That's not what you're getting promoted for. And so then what happens is we rationalize it away, right? Listen, I just, I got to be mean at work. I'm sorry. I got to be mean at work. 
Nobody will listen to me unless I mean. You, you, you don't understand. I can't get promoted unless I say these things to people. And so we end up killing the very thing that God's trying to produce us. And we end up feeding the flesh. So I don't think it's real obvious anymore. You see all the scandals that are happening. All the scandals that are happening in Hollywood and, and all those things. And all these people, all these people are saying stuff like, well, that was part of the job. That's what you had to do. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's Satan tricking us into killing the wrong thing in our life. Wait, wait. I don't have to party with everybody because the Spirit can give me self-control. Yeah, but you're not going to get promoted. You're not going to get promoted unless you go to the mixer. You're not going to get promoted if you party with, unless you party with the boss. And so what we do is we end up killing self-control because that's not what's recognized in our culture. We're killing the wrong thing. We're waking up week after week killing the wrong thing. And we feel good about it because the world is recognizing success. And, and so that's why I'm looking at you today going, I don't think it's so obvious nowadays. Paul's looking at them going, hey, these things are obvious. And I'm going, hmm, I don't know if they're obvious or not. Matter of fact, some of the things that seem like they should be obvious, we're actually pushing down. No, isn't kindness a good thing? That's what, that's what it says God will produce in you if you let the Spirit work in you. Goodness, faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm not going to do that. We've already talked about marriage. We've already talked about marriage. The fruit of the Spirit fly in the face of this culture. You don't have to treat others bad to get what you want. Matter of fact, up at the beginning, where we're reading in verse 13, he says exactly that. Love your neighbor as yourself. You don't have to, you know, if you love your neighbor as your, that includes the people that work with you. That includes the people that you're next to. That includes the people that put their fence one foot over on your property. (laughs) But I got to be mean to him. No, you don't. (laughs) Ephesians chapter five, Paul writes to the Ephesian church. Starting in verse eight, he says, for you were once darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And this is the key verse that I want you to see. In verse 10. And find out what pleases the Lord. At the end of the day, what's Paul tell the Ephesians? He says, listen, there's all kinds of things. He tells the Galatians, there's all these acts of the flesh. And he writes to the Ephesians and he says, find out what pleases God. At the end of the day, before you kill anything, find out what pleases the Lord. You don't want to end up crucifying the wrong thing in your life. You want to find out what pleases God. And so we wake up in the morning and we do the assessment. Lord, I'm getting ready to go to work. I know what they're going to ask me to do. I know. They're going to ask me to kill that kindness you put in me last night. I know they're going to ask me to kill that forbearance you put in me. I know they're going to ask me to kill that that self-control. I know. That the world is going to ask me to do that today. But I want to make sure I kill the right thing. I want to make sure I strap the right thing up on the cross. And I don't want to inadvertently kill something that you're trying to create in me. And so we have to find out. He tells the Ephesians, figure out what God loves. Figure out what pleases him. And then do that. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. But rather expose them, he says in verse 11. Find out what pleases the Lord. And then have nothing to do with everything else. 
That's what he's saying. Have nothing to do with everything else, but rather expose it. And you know how easy it is to expose them? You don't have to, you don't have to say it out loud. Because if you're kind around a jerk, he'll look like a jerk without you saying anything about it. You don't have to say, did you see that jerk? You could just be kind, do the fruit of the Spirit, be the fruit of the Spirit, produce the fruit of the Spirit. And then all of a sudden, everybody look around and go, whoa, he is a jerk. And you won't have to say a word. Because guess what? Light always exposes darkness. And when light exposes darkness, then you won't get confused about which one needs to die. You won't get confused. But as long as we're confused in ourselves about what is supposed to be produced in us, then we're, then we're always going to be at battle with the flesh. But when we can look at Scripture and we can see what God is calling us to produce, when we can look at Scripture and we can see what pleases God, then we know what to crucify. Mm-hmm. Paul tells the Galatians, he says, crucify the flesh. Make sure that you're crucifying the wrong thing. Don't get it mixed up. And then when you crucify it, don't let that thing get back down. You know how many times we put sin up on the cross, only turn our backs, turn around the next day and go, how'd that thing get down? Thing standing right behind you. I was in the church a couple times today and snuck up on somebody two or three times. I didn't really sneak up on them, but every time. Every time I walked up behind him, it was like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just walking. (laughs) So don't let sin get back down. Make up your mind that this is the end. Make up your mind that this is the end. Once a criminal got on the cross, that was it. They didn't let him back down. It didn't matter how much they cried out. It didn't matter how much they complained. It didn't matter how much they begged for mercy. They didn't let him back down. And what Satan does is when you determine to crucify the flesh, when you determine to put sin up on the cross, what he does is he tries to talk you into it's not that bad. It's not worth the energy it takes to kill it. It's not worth waiting it out. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And so what happens is we lighten up, and the next thing you know, we turn around, that thing got right back down off the cross. Romans 6, Romans chapter 6, verse 1, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So Paul says this. He says, listen, there's some people out there that says, oh, there's grace, man. It's fine. And so what you have is you have crucify the flesh. Oh, it's fine. Crucify the flesh. Oh, it's fine. And Paul's Paul's addressing that. He's saying, should we keep sinning because there's grace in our lives? Because God's offered us grace, should we keep sinning? And Paul says, absolutely not. Don't ever think about it. Don't ever entertain it. Because you left that already. He's reminding them, you left that already. Don't go back to it. You left it. Don't return. He says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. In verse 11 of that same chapter 6. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. Listen, this, this is not, uh, I got I to gotta tell a little story about my son. When he was younger, uh, we were at a friend's house. Uh, for a soccer party. And there's a whole bunch of kids running around everywhere. 
And I get real irritated when there's a bunch of kids anyway. But <laughs> So it happened to be this like small farm uh, that we were at. So we're at this uh, like farm at place. I don't know, the guy had like 30 acres and he, and he had some cat. I think he had a couple cows, some horses. Uh, and then you throw in a bunch of the other uh, normal farm animals. Well, he had an electric fence around this area. You know where I'm going with this. He had an electric fence in this area. So, so a bunch of these kids got up together and decided it would be really smart. They found where you plug the electric fence in. So what they would do is they would unplug the electric fence and try to see who could grab it before they plugged it back in. Like that. Well, my son happened to grab it at the wrong time. If you don't kill it all the way, take the cord out of the kid's hand, cut the end of the cord off, rip the power supply off the fence, you will get shocked sooner or later. That's the moral of that story. You will get shocked sooner or later. What the fence is designed to do from its inception, from the very day that the engineers went, hey, I got a good idea. What if we shocked animals to the point that they don't return? (laughs) From its very inception, it was meant to hurt. And so unless you take the opportunity for it away, unless you kill the power source of it hurting you, you're going to get shocked sooner or later. And so we spend our lives doing this. I'm fine. It didn't get me that time. 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 And then one day, somebody gets lucky and plugs it in right when you grab it. You see, if we don't kill it, it will get us sooner or later. And in our modern day version of Christianity, we throw sin up on the cross on Sunday and then Monday we're partying with it. We throw sin up on the cross on Sunday and then Monday we're We're playing tag. Hey, I'm pretty quick. I'm pretty quick. I'm pretty quick. Paul said, kill it once for all. Just kill the thing. Rip the power supply off the fence. Cut the end of the cord off. Make sure that thing can't shock you anymore. Make sure you've done everything that you can do. In verse 11, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. In Christ Jesus, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin. Don't do it. Don't even stick your hand out there. Don't offer any part. But offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but you're under grace. Now, He didn't say you're under grace to keep sinning. He said you're under grace because you have a new master. He said, you're not under grace just to keep doing whatever you want. He's saying you're under grace because now you're saved by that grace through faith in Christ. And you don't have to be a slave to sin any longer. So I'm sure my son was not there by himself. I'm sure there's a whole crowd of people around him. Dumb little kids. (laughs) They were going, touch it, Carter. Touch it, Carter. Touch it, Carter. Come on, you remember that growing up, right? You're a slave to whoever's around you. You're a slave to whoever's around you. Come on, jump the hill. Oh, I don't think it's a good idea. You could do it. 
Come on, drink that. You can do it. Come on, do it, do it, do it. I remember, I remember being with the guys who were like, oh, don't dare me. Don't you dare? I thought, is this the dumbest thing I've ever heard? What do you mean? Just because somebody dares you mean there's, a, there's like a whole galaxy pushing down on you that you have to do it? Like, what is this? So all I have to do is say, I dare you to jump off the building and you can't not do it? I think that's, I think that's being a slave. And so what we do is we get in a position where just like my son, do it, do it, do it. He's grabbing it and he's grabbing it and he's grabbing it. And Paul says, don't be a slave to that. Don't be a slave to culture. Don't be a slave to making money. Don't be a slave to pleasing people. Don't be a slave. Don't be a slave to looking cool. Don't be a slave to I got to get a promotion and it means I have to ditch all my values. Don't be a slave to anything but righteousness. Don't be a slave to anything but righteousness, he says. He says, put all that stuff away. Don't let sin get back down off of that cross. You realize you're the only one that can give it space to breathe. You're the only one that can give it space to breathe. Once you put it on the cross, you better leave it there. Don't play games with it. Don't play games with it. Now, the third and last thing. The way you kill it is important. Now, I know some of you got in your mind um, this sword fight and some really epic music in the background. Paul says this, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking or envying one another. Let us not become conceited, provoking or envying one another. 1 Corinthians Chapter 10, Paul writes to the Corinthian church and he says, So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Now, now watch this. We, um, I've said this a bunch of times in church that I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about the American church in the sense that I believe that we're, we're good at behavior modification but not sin eradication. Now, let me explain to you what I mean by that. I believe that we are good at making culture uh, look holy in the church. So what that means is, is if you invite a friend in here and nobody's cussing in the church, then eventually if that friend comes along enough, they'll stop cussing. Just because it ain't cool to cuss. It's cool here, but no, no, it's not. I know who does it. But I call that behavior modification because that's not coming out of a, of a relationship with Christ. That's like, that's like changing your style in high school because you're hanging around a different group. So you come into the church and the majority of the people in the church act a certain way. And they carry themselves a certain way. And they go to certain places and they don't go to other places. And so what we do is we modify our behavior to fit them. And so really what we've just become is disciplined people. Right? We've just become disciplined. Well, everybody, everybody that I know gets up early, so I get up early. Well, I mean, why? Like everybody at this church uh, does this type of thing. So, I, I mean, that's the way I do it. Well, why? Just because everybody does it? Or because, or because the Spirit of God directed you to do it? So here's what happens. 
when, when the credit of being good comes to me, it can create pride in my life. So it seems kind of funny when Paul says, crucify the flesh. Those who belong to God crucifies the flesh. Those who belong to Christ, he said, will crucify the flesh. Now listen. He says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, since we live by the Spirit, so who's, who's helping us? Whose power are we working by? The Spirit's power. So this isn't just Chris waking up and having a three-step plan to be a better person. This isn't just Chris waking up in the morning going, I'm going to be more kind. I'm going to be more kind. I'm going to be more kind. I'm looking in the mirror going, I'm going to be more kind. My wife's saying, you're going, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to be more kind. I'm going to be more kind. I'm going to be more kind. That's not the deal. It's the Spirit producing it in me. So it, it's important who you give credit to. Because too many times, God's trying to produce stuff in us, and we're taking all the credit for it. But I'm more kind because I'm great. So Paul says, crucify the flesh. Those who belong to Christ will crucify the flesh. And then he says, remember, you're living by the Spirit. Don't become conceited. When I first read that, I thought, why does he tie that in like that? No, he says, remember you live by the Spirit, so don't become conceited and puffed up and envying one another. Why would I envy you if the Spirit is the one producing in us? Why would I envy you if the Spirit is the one producing in us? Then we're in the same boat. Then the Spirit is the one producing the fruit in us. Then there's nothing to envy. There's nothing to become conceited about because because without the Spirit, we are both wretched and lost without hope. Right? But with the Spirit, thanks be to God, we are with hope. We have crucified the flesh. We are, we are producing fruit. But it's not by our own strength, lest any man should boast. Amen. But it's a gift of God. And so we're producing fruit. And Paul says, wait a second. It's important who you give credit to for this. It's important how you kill this thing because if you just kill it by self-discipline, you run the risk of being prideful. You run the risk of giving yourself the credit for doing all the work. And really, you were lost and hopeless when it was all your responsibility. Do you remember those days, can't you? Lost and hopeless when it was all our responsibility. But God gives us the spirit that produces Good things in us. He produces the fruit that God is looking for. You know what it pleases God? Kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. All those things. Self, it pleases God. He says, look and figure out what pleases God. Do that. Kill the flesh. But make sure you're killing it the right way. Make sure that you're giving him the credit for it. Make sure that you don't get conceited. He's not just talking about a super disciplined life that doesn't need the spirit. He's talking about a life dedicated to Christ and producing the fruit of the Spirit to the point that there's no room for sin. Listen, this is not just about subtraction. We preached about that a couple months ago. If you spend your whole life just trying to subtract things from it, notice Paul says this this is the acts of the flesh. Kill those things. But while you're killing those things, add the fruit of the Spirit. 
while you're killing those things. Don't just leave a big void. No, while you're killing debauchery in your life, add self-control. While you're killing sexual immorality, add faithfulness through the fruit of the Spirit. So the danger of self-discipline is pride. It's no good to crucify one sin only to gain another. Isn't that crazy? We can be tricked into killing one sin and replacing it with one right behind it. It's like, Lord, but I put that on the cross. And he said, yeah, and it puffed you up. It puffed you up. And so now you got two things you got to put on the cross, you big dummy. That's the way God talks to me. I know he doesn't talk to you that way. I know he's like, oh, it's okay. No, he's like, you're dumb. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Figure out what I want. And then do that. Crucify the right thing. Don't let it back down and do it the right way. And let the Spirit produce fruit in your life. Amen? Amen. So here's a couple steps. We're going to finish on a practical way. Finish in a practical way. Why don't you stand to your feet? The band's going to come back up. We're going to finish this practically today. Sin needs to become obvious in our lives. Sin needs to become obvious in our lives. Look at your neighbor right now and say, sin needs to become obvious in my life. (laughs) Here's what I would say. Sin needs to become obvious to you before it's obvious to everyone else. I'll say that again. Sin needs to become obvious to you before it becomes obvious to everyone else. Because I'm going to tell you something. There ain't nothing like a mob of people to put a sin up on the cross. You know what I'm saying? When people find out, that thing will get crucified. And you will as well. Sin needs to become obvious in our lives. The acts of the flesh should be obvious to people who belong to Christ. Listen. In modern day technology where you can get your Bible to wake you up in the morning on your phone. You can set a, you can set a thing that your Bible wakes you up in the morning. Not ACDC. <laughs> your Bible can wake you up in the morning. The first thing you hear in the morning can be worship music. It can be scripture you can wake up to. I find it hard to believe there's going to be excuse for, man, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize sleeping with my neighbor's wife was going to be a big deal. I didn't realize it. I don't think in our modern day technology. Now, if you back up thousands of years where stuff traveled so slow, I, I, could, I could see it then. But all you have to do is Google it. Google, is this sin? You never thought about that? You never thought about asking Siri? Siri. Hey, Siri, I just woke up like half your phones. Hey, Siri, is this sin? Is there any scripture about this? That's how easy it is. But we walk around our life going, man, I didn't realize it. I didn't realize it. I didn't realize it. Sin needs to become obvious in our lives. The acts of the flesh should be obvious to people who belong to Christ. And if you're not sure about it, put people around you that are. People around you that are. What I've, what I've tried to do in my life is surround myself with people who are older than me and have done all the things that I'm thinking about doing. <laughs> Think about it. Hey, how do I not do that? 
you screwed up really bad 20 years ago. How do I not do that? Surround yourself with people who can see it. And you know what's beautiful? Is that the Bible calls us to restore each other gently. So get somebody that has the fruit of the spirit of gentleness. And then let them say tough things to you. And you'll love it. Because they're gentle. Don't, don't get around an idiot that doesn't have the fruit of the spirit. And just slamming people. Get around somebody that knows how to reveal sin in your life. The next one. The elimination of sin needs to be a priority in our lives. Paul said to crucify it, not accept its presence. Figure out what it will take. Let me say that again. The elimination of sin needs to be a priority in our lives. We don't want to live with it. I remember we were in Costa Rica a couple years ago. And they warned us that when we went into the house, there was going to be scorpions in the house. I was like, why are we here? <laughs> and, I, and I thought, I just felt like there was a tension we were there a week, uh, and my daughter had been on this mission trip for a month, and we went the last week of the, the mission trip, and I just thought, we're living with scorpions. Why didn't we pay to have somebody come in and take them out before we got here? Not us. We're living with them. We're just like, it's okay. So one day, my wife goes to get in the where we have all our clothes, and she's like, bah, there it is. And I'm like, we're living with it. Why are we shocked now that it's here? So the elimination of sin needs to be a priority in our lives. If, it's, if we're living with it, we're accepting its presence. Paul said to crucify it. Kill that thing. And don't you know, I hit that scorpion with everything I had. I got my croc out and I beat it to death. Not a real, like the, the shoe croc. The elimination of sin needs to be a priority in our lives. And then, and then the last one here. Move your focus to production. Move your focus to production. This cannot only be about killing sin. We are now equipped to produce for the glory of God. You know what? I, I, think, I think there needs to be something said here with this one part. And we're going to finish here. There was a season in church life that we, that we called... Legalism because we were, we were only focused on one thing, and that was killing sin. We weren't focused on producing fruit. We were really focused on killing sin to the point that I couldn't even go to the movies when I was growing up. We were focused on killing sin, but I could be nasty to people. I could, I could not go to the movies. I could not, I could not have HBO. Which you still shouldn't. That's stupid. <laughs> I, I couldn't do a whole bunch of things. But I'd see people who wouldn't do sin be nasty to people. And I think, well, you're, you may be good at killing sin, but you're not very good at kindness. So if we're only focused on, on killing sin, we can become legalistic and prideful. And, the Bible, and Paul said, don't just be focused on killing sin, but be focused on producing the things that God likes. And so we got to get that right. Shift the focus. The killing sin has to be a priority. It does. But then we need to turn our focus to now I'm going to produce something. Now I'm going to make something happen. Now the spirit of God in me is going to make something happen. Now there's kindness that's going to well up in my life. Now that I've dealt with this sin thing, it's time to produce. Now that I've dealt with this sin thing, it's time to produce something. And that's what I think he's calling us to. 
So I want to pray with you this morning. I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads. We are going to ask God to reveal to us today. Not only to so we can crucify sin, but we want to produce the things that he loves in our lives. Father, we ask you today. God, we ask you to do the work that the Spirit was sent. Let it be a counselor to us. This morning, let it come alongside us with kindness and gentleness. And point out those things in our lives that are unpleasing to you. The things that are obvious. God, help it to point out to those things. Put your finger on them this morning. And Lord, we pray that you give us the wherewithal. Equip us by the Spirit to deal with them. Today, your word says that there's hope. That when you point out sin in our life, when the Spirit reveals to us what is happening. That there's hope that if we are, we'll confess our sins, that you're faithful to forgive us. That we don't have to fear that if, we're, that if we will confess our sins that you will forgive us every time. Lord, we can crucify the flesh this morning through your strength. And Lord, we pray that we wouldn't stop there. But we pray that we'd be determined to produce good fruit for you. That your spirit in us would produce kindness and goodness. All those things that you love. We thank you for it, God, today. And we look forward to seeing how this will work out in our lives. And we give you all the honor and the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, church. Give him honor and praise this morning. He's good. Amen. Amen. We'll see you back here next week.